Ready? <laughs> A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rude Janssen, Rul Friesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rilkins, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation. Ooh, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast studio here at IMAX 23. It is the 24th of May, 2023. We're in Frankfurt Hall 9. You wouldn't believe who is sitting around this table because this has been a long time in the making and yet it's a serendipitous encounter. Uh, with me are Janet Spurstad, we have Mar Anderson, and we have Devon Pasha with us. Welcome. Thank you. Awesome. So, um, we just heard our colleague Anthony Vade in the intro, and he does this great little thing where he triggers the, the key line from the book, Designed to Change. A great conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Let me throw the ball to you first, mm -hmm. Janet. You know, it's interesting because we love serendipity, right? But we love predictability. Mm -hmm. And so much of the impact of that liminal space or serendipity by chance, we value, but we don't want to chance it. And so it really is being thoughtful. It is so much of a conversation. The beginning sets the tone of the direction it goes. And the most important thing that I have found in my career are the questions I ask, not the answers I get because we grow in the direction of the questions we ask as a brain. And so that conversation and what follows it is so impactful and it leaves an imprint, a noble imprint on our heart and it really does change the way we think and how we continue the rest of the day or the conversation. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pass Marge for one second because I'm gonna leave that for the meta question. I'm gonna jump to Devon for a second because there's a relation here that you don't know about, but Devon, maybe you can share that. I was at a pivotal moment of change in my career and, and wanted to take the next step and, and escalate, and I researched people who were change makers in our industry, and Janet's name came up several times, and I cold called her. I asked her on LinkedIn if she would have an informational conversation with me, and that conversation led to several pivotal moments of change. I told Janet I wanted to teach, and, and help share and shape our industry. And as one of the authors of the textbook we use for the CMP exam, Janet was kind enough to share two things. She said, higher education industry wants higher education uh, credentials and, and degrees, but the industry wants certifications. She said, so girl, you have two things to do. Start getting your master's and get your CMP. And that year I sat for my CMP exam. I think we met at the end of 2019. I started getting my credentials, started my master's degree. So I have a master's certificate in creativity and innovation with a minor in neuroscience. Uh, and I got my CMP in 2020, which led to my CED in 2021. And I met Anthony Bade and Rude at Global Meeting Industry Day, since you encouraged me to join industry events. 
And now two years later, I'm the director of North America for the Event Design Collective and sitting here with Janet on our podcast at IMAX in Frankfurt. Yay. That and is a goosebump moment. <laughs> I'm like a little How? emotional about it. You know, I've been in the industry a long time and a lot of people look up to me and I have, I'm honored for that. But what made Devin unique and why I said yes was the clarity in her questions and the passion I could see in her. Right? So that conversation, as you're listening, you know, we are people before we're anything else. And so you know, those things really made a difference to me to be able to respond to her. I'm like, you know what? I will respond to you. So with that beginning is really important and it's delicate to meet the needs of both people in that conversation yeah. and having clarity around it. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to cross fire here because what you cannot see is we're at the Event Design Collective stand. We're sitting around a high table. And uh, diagonally across from me is Marge Anderson. Uh, Marge inspired me um, when you were leading a project. Uh, this was well over a decade ago. Yes. Uh, when we were already kind of worrying and thinking about the architecture of events and how things kind of progress in the industry or maybe didn't progress as quickly. Um, would you leave conversations to chance, Marge? Let me ask that question to you. No, and part of the reason, part of the reason that I care so much about the human element and the neuroscientific element mm -hmm. that both De Devin and Janet have talked about is because I've spent most of my career in the climate space and working on what I think is the most important question for humanity and that's how are we going to solve the climate crisis with justice and equity and um, yet it will human part is almost always left to chance. And so we have these incredible opportunities to start looking at people from a human level first, start with inside the brain and all of those things that drive human behavior, because we're asking for behavior change on a massive level to support a clean energy transition. So for me, um, this is a fun design question, but it's also a life and death question. And I, I don't mean to get dramatic, but Climate change is pretty dramatic, and it's been dominated by policy and scientific language and approaches. And it, we are—you can see how far we've gotten. We haven't gotten as far as we need to. Yet every single person involved has an emotional connection, has a neurological connection to this question. What would happen? What would be the opportunity if we could really tap into that whole human potential to drive change? Yeah, I love that. And. The, the critical factor here, like you're saying, is how does the event owner, right, who's very often very lonely, yes. know that there's a capacity out there within all of these people to create that change, but we are unable to define how to best use the operating system between the people to kind of um, spark that. And uh, without pretending that we have a notion of how to do that, the one thing that we do know is that if you put brains of people together to design the events differently, that the options that can come on the table improve the likelihood of that coming closer to the behavior change that you've articulated in the first place. How easy or difficult do you think it is, March, for your event owners or for you as an event owner to articulate behavior change without the help of a team? Well, I, they need help. We have such great design thinking in the consumer market, mm -hmm. in the market of consumption and technology and um, consumer goods and services. We don't have as much design thinking and expertise in the world of ideas. 
and transformation. And they need help, but they are worried because it's outside their expertise. So they need people to help guide them in a way that makes them feel safe, right? Then back to neuroscience is, is this a threat or is this a reward? And how am I going to make a fool of myself? Will I be socially awkward? Some of the most brilliant people in the world are in the climate space, but this kind of social design is not part of their expertise. So, um, yeah, they need help. It should be done to be more open to the options on the table for that human nature connection, which is the central theme for IMAX yeah. here in Frankfurt today, right? I'm working in my own organization, the Clean Air Task Force, to try to give people some, even some small experiences of meeting experiences that are outside of what their normal scientific policy leader um, environment looks like and to earn their trust on small things so that we can ask some of the innovators, especially some of the younger people on the staff, to experiment and be vulnerable to learning new ways to do things. And so far that's working. Um, we're hoping to work with the Event Design Collective to speed that up a little bit. Climate change is kind of urgent. We need to get going. Um, but I, it, part of it's about learning, earning trust, and that's back to the points that Devin and Janet made. The brain has to be there first. Earning trust can take a lot of time, mm -hmm. right? So Look at the, was it 27 COP conferences it took to get to an agreement for yes. 1.5 uh, degrees, which is still 1.5 degrees too much, right? Yeah. At the end of the yeah. day. But it took 27 editions. How many years was that? Uh, 27 editions of COP conferences? More than 27 years. Yes, right? yes. I mean, and these events are long in the making. They are huge in their gathering power, they are. yet in their transformational power, it seems like a very sluggish, slow machine that is pulled in 20,000 directions. Yeah. Just like the way many event owners feel when you start talking about their events. Mm -hmm. It's a micro version of that bigger global problem where multi-stakeholders pull in different directions and there's a desired direction of change. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we try to focus on is to be crystal clear after going through the complexity of the narrative and empathizing with the stakeholders to define the behaviors and narrow it down to just three behaviors per stakeholder so that they're laser focused on here are the three entry and exit behaviors mm -hmm. and here are the three deltas that we need to do per stakeholder. Now, we can, we're memorizing things of threes, right? And Janet, I'm going to go back to you in a second, but let's imagine that we have three or four stakeholders that we need to design for. So that would make three or four times three is nine to 12 things we need to focus on. Can, do you think, a team of people that is designing an event and coming up with prototypes, is that a good rubric, a good filter to think through, to say, let's go to this idea quarantine and figure out how will this idea change one of these behaviors and then define where it fits in the order and sequence of the design. The seven or eight could work with that kind of filter. I filter do. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I think the Event Design Collective, the the foundation and the structure it gives us to take a complex problem to develop these outcomes develop these behaviors and the methodology is just beautiful for us because it breaks it down into steps mm -hmm. because the work we do is very complex it is very hard if it wasn't everyone would be doing it exactly. and they don't and so it really helps people step by step and it gives them a chance to break it apart and pause and think and take something that's very soft and esoteric, like empathy. 
because we're humans before we're job titles, before we come into an event. Absolutely. And so it really helps explore that very difficult topic into very tangible ways. And so I think using that and breaking it apart, no matter how many stakeholders, there's multiple stakeholders at every event, and looking through that lens, because it's not about doing it all at once in the entire event for the entire days. It's like, when are these moments? Because if you say about a conversation, a conversation is a moment in time, so are some of these outcomes. And so how do we make sure the right people at the right time have those important conversations? Because people come to events to meet other people they wouldn't normally meet and be exposed to new ideas. Otherwise they wouldn't come. Time is the most precious commodity we have. And so I think using that methodology and really thinking about where is it that we're going to make sure those people are right there in the right time. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't happen by chance, but we've constructed the opportunity to make it happen. And I think the, the format and the structure of the Event Design Collective really allows that to sort of spend time and be with it and make decisions. Do we care about it or we have so much resources to make things happen? Never short of ideas, but we're sort of filtering out the right ones for this moment in time. Right, right. right. I'm going to turn to Devon for a second because Devon is standing here with her feet in the clay designing the World Education Conference 2027 Destination Unknown for MPI. Now, all of us know the wake pool that Meeting Professions International mm -hmm. has given us to dabble in to explore this space together, but how is this, how cool is this to be at a trade show, right, at a place where over 10,000 of the specialists on the planet for this gather together and you get to do work and actually come out with stuff that you can use. Devon, how is that how is that going? It's been very inspiring but also educational for me because what it's showing me is actually the neuroscience hidden in working with the canvas and working with humans to see how as you validate their ideas they feel more empowered and you can see them go from shy to a little bit bolder to feeling empowered and these moments are are what drives my passion for this procedure for this methodology because it's not so much the outcomes of the 9 to 12 dictated behaviors but it's what it does to the humans who are going through it one of the things I share oftentimes with those inquiring about adding event design to their work is not only how is it going to make your job title better for your company how is it going to make you better as a person because even if you don't put a canvas up and use post-its every day, you're learning the language, you're learning the questions to ask of your event owner, of your stakeholders, of yourself, of your team. And you see that, that little spark of empowerment that it's going to make me better and make my job easier. And for me to see that live happen for people who are shy, for maybe English isn't their first language and they feel this hesitancy to giving high fives and hugs and like, wow, this one 40 minute session changed my whole outlook for today. Mm -hmm. That is where it just strikes so much value. And again, to have this come full circle from a question I asked three, four years ago to someone I'd never met to sitting with you on a podcast, seeing how you impacted my change journey, and, and to hear how we're continuing to impact others and share that value is just this beautiful, like full circle. But it's, it's really the science to me that's hidden and the human science and, and encouraging good questions exactly. of yourself even to, to then proceed yep. to the next level. Yeah. Well, and 
Devin, from your neuroscience background, you know we grow in the direction of the questions we ask. So as an event designer, asking your stakeholders, the hardest work you do is to figure out what are the right questions. Because then, as you, the receiver, asking it, you open up new possibilities. Because people come to us as event professionals not knowing the answer. And they know more about, well, I need X. Well, they may really need Y. And we, ha- we have to be really crafting as what is it you're looking for. Because at the end of the day, they have to feel successful. Like, wow, that was a great event in my heart and in my head. Well, I'm going to ask Marge a question because you've been a leader. You're, you're a leader to so many leading climate change crises. My question is, so many of the young professionals doing this work feel shy and reticent about questions because for so many at a more senior level, questions are seen as a challenge to me. So what we're trying to inspire is this idea that questions are going to help us grow. It's going to help us change, going to help us innovate. How can we change the conversation at a senior level to allow for more questions to create a space for, for group innovation and change? We could talk about this for four or five days. Um, awesome. Let's because do that. I'm from the environmental <laughs> movement, and the roots of the environmental movement are in tragedy and despair. They're also in a generation, the baby boom generation, um, that's still in the workforce. And yet we've got um, so many amazing young people coming in for the future. So one of the things I like about this whole um, question question that you have and all this empowerment is it inspires optimism and optimism drives positive action pessimism uh, there's a no room for that and so I think only by creating spaces where our younger people can bring the full bouquet of all of the brilliance that they have and create an optimistic space for them that's the only way we're going to solve some of these problems it's essential. I'm going to step out and get ready to do a live event design session for WBC 2027. Marge and Janet, it has been a true honor to sit here at this table with you um, and to share this conversation. So thank you. And I hope you have thank a good you, show. I'm going to turn it back to Rude. Awesome. Thank you. So, so you see, action happens as we're doing the podcast. This is what happens when you start <laughs> designing and commit to design, right? It's Great. claiming the time. To get a group of people to go together, to mm-hmm. think together, to allow them to use their diverse backgrounds and different experiences, which always makes for cracking a problem much richer. Yeah. Can we talk about this three um, this three outcomes per stakeholder? I yes. really like this yes. in terms of creating optimism because it creates a virtuous cycle of success. It narrows down the options. It makes the problem manageable and creates places where people can celebrate and then move forward, celebrate and then move forward. And it creates a momentum for people. So I really, really like that. One of, one of the things that I think is very encouraging when we talk about, we, we actually adjusted our mission recently uh, because of this. Uh, progressive insight, when you cracked one problem, you're ready to tackle the next one, right? And um, first we were really preoccupied with articulating how events create value and enabling event owners to have an easier way of dealing with that. Uh, the negative way of, so if you would look at it from a pessimistic perspective is rid the world of mediocre events. <laughs> oh, well that, that sucks the air out of the room, right? <laughs> but every truth has an opposite truth. And as long as you have clarity about both, it's important to consider mm-hmm. all these options, right? Yeah. Uh, how we change that mission is actually by saying, uh, we want to actually enable teams and event owners to not just articulate how their events create value, 
but also for them to craft, uh, design and celebrate progress over time. So it's really the design of time and the progress within that time that allows you to have a sense of achievement. And what we see is when teams have fun designing, which by design is a, an optimistic process, right? Mm -hmm. It is seeing the opportunities through a very clear lens without getting despaired and bogged down by abundance, right? Celebrating the restrictions in a design frame, maybe adding even more restrictions than necessary just for the sake of making it more restrictive really rocket fuels the ambiguity in a group of people and ambiguity is the rocket fuel for creativity right and so if you're able to spark that creativity through the ambiguity that becomes like a three launch rocket to tackle these three actions that you know you set out to do within that increment of change that one event right one event cannot change the world's problems we've seen that it took 27 competitions to just even agree on the fact that it should be 1.5 let alone do something about it we were just talking about a new show on Apple TV that really scared my socks off, which storytelling shows how big and important things can be. I think it's called Extrapolations. Marge, I just sent you the link. Not that I want you to all subscribe to Apple TV. I have nothing to do with that. <laughs> but to me, sometimes you need to see a shocking future scenario to recalibrate how quickly time passes. And I think the setting there is somewhere in the mid-40s, 2042 or 2045, I forget. And it's COP 42 or 45 that you see like a future state of that event and it's in a very realistic cinematographic storytelling arc, um, which is you know, the scenario that obviously some people have thought up. Is it the truth or not the truth? We never know. Having stories into the future where you're aimed, but then knowing how to break down steps to get to that future or get to an alternate future, I think is what the threes do, right? We can remember the threes. What three, so I promised to ask you a question, which was what's currently on your horizon of change if we would have this conversation next year and then look back and say, if I have these three things done, I'd feel pretty good in that conversation next year. And I'm just prompting this without even having, like, giving you a lot of time to think. But sometimes the instinctive things that come up are truthful, right? It could be partly true. Yeah. Um, I know these ladies are very smart and quick thinkers. They think on their feet. Um, I'm going to throw the ball to whoever starts talking first and, oh see, and see what three things on your view horizon of change. Sure. I'll go, I think I'll go from micro to macro. I was hired at Clean Air Task Force to stand up their event function so that we would be more successful in changing the entire global climate narrative. So it's, you know, just a small, no small task. So, uh, just a little bitty, tiny task. Um, and so um, the first thing is standing up that team and all the processes that are going to be necessary to have high performance events and game and a design skill set to kind of the power users around events. Um, not just people in the events team, but the programmatic leaders who have these incredible ideas that are going to help solve climate change. We have a whole bunch of innovations and technology innovations that will bring some optimism. So that's my second one. And I think my third one is, which guides, um, which guides a lot of my work in general is helping young people believe in themselves and believe in their own power to create change. As an older person in the workforce, I've gotten to do all the things I wanted to do. Now it's about making sure that it's a safe, inclusive 
empowering environment for the young people that are going to need to solve all the problems. So awesome. So no small change. No yeah. small. Stand, stand up the team and get the team to be able to carry what this need, what this yeah. requires. Bring in uh, design thinking to the power users and the, and, and, and the programmatic owners and the leaders. Yep. And then helping young people to uh, articulate and deliver on the change over time. Yeah, did and believe right? in themselves a lot earlier than I did. Awesome. You know, well, let's, we don't all have 60 years to start to believe in ourselves. So what do we have to do to get those folks ready now? Exactly. Create those pivotal moments to give them that empowered situation. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. Uh, I think this... It's very realistic, and next year I will remind you of these things when we <laughs> okay. talk again. Right? Um, and we're delighted to contribute in whatever way we can. I have them written down in my big magic notebook, <laughs> and we will get back to them. Janet, you're next. What are some of the three things on your horizon of change? And remember, this can be anything, right? Yeah, you know, I'm going to take it on a personal level. I am an academic, and I've been an academic for multiple decades, and I am leaving my college at the end of the year yeah. and so in that process I knew as important it is to know when to start you have to know when to stop and it was time for me to stop so really these when these three things are very personal so it's like as I stop what do I want to what do I want to do with my time that I'm given on this earth that will fulfill me and I know what makes me happy is when I help others What does that look like? What does that service look like? What mm -hmm. is that that I'm providing value into the world that makes it a better place? Yeah. Um, because all we have is each other. Yeah. And so it's very driven around that. And so taking care of myself is a part of that, yeah. uh, as so I can serve others and help others. Um, I, you know, as an academic, I care about knowledge sharing. So what does that look like? How do I serve that? How do I share my gifts that I've been able to hone and and consume in, in my time here. And so it's really about how do I continue that continuum um, that I've been able to give and been able, blessed to receive throughout my years here. So it's very personal. Um, and it's and I think those things really are, are on my mind. I love that. Human nature is personal, right? It's interpersonal. It is. And uh, I, for one, am always inspired when I speak to you guys and we have the chance to actually give each other proper hugs, which is part of how people interact, right? Mm -hmm. Over time, I think we've seen so much change happening and you're making change happen, you have made change happen, and you're making more change into the future. So I'm going to remind you of these three things one year from today, today with your permission. And there's no excuse not. I want to really thank you for being part of the Design to Change podcast and having a chance to chat with you here at IMEX. Uh, 24th of May, 2023, just to timestamp the date that we're at right now. Uh, thank you for contributing, both of you. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag Design to Change and hashtag Event Canvas. Want more thought-provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget, it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune into our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation.